This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. Welcome to Issues 2021, Chief. Good morning, Steve. How it's are you? Good. It's reported that you have applied for the police chief's position in Austin, Texas. What motivated you to seek that job? Well, a uh, <laughs> couple of reasons. Okay. Family uh, would get us closer to family. My dad has uh, terminal cancer. And uh, my mom has some uh, knee surgery, knee replacement that she needs. So that's part of it, as well as um, Austin has some great opportunities uh, in the world of policing that intrigue me. I'll tell you, the first two is enough motivation. It's right there, I guess. Uh, Are they in the Austin area or are they in Texas? Um, They are not, but my dad's sister is, and it would work out well for all of us to be uh, closer to one another. All right. That sounds good. Does this this indicate, though, any dissatisfaction with the chief's job here in Wichita? None. I love my job and love coming to work every day. Well, there you go. Short answer. (laughs) So if you fail to get the Austin job, Will you continue looking for a job that might be helpful in, the, in what you do in the process there with your, with your relatives? Potentially. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's tricky times. You know, family uh, is very important, and we, we get one shot at getting things right. And I have a very close relationship with my parents, and uh, it's tough not to be near them during, uh, when they're having health issues after all they've done for me. Well, that's, that's right. And, and as uh, somebody who's gone... I went through that with my mom a couple of years ago, and I understand exactly what you're saying. There you go. All right, let's let's talk about something else for a while. Does Wichita have a gun problem? Well, I don't know if we have a gun problem. We do have an issue with people using guns in situations where they shouldn't. Um, you know, we had a just to, uh, to kind of highlight or encapsulate what we're seeing. We had a, two cars kind of back into each other at a mall parking lot a strip mall parking lot, and one of the individuals is very upset, and he gets out holding a gun at his side. Um, these people had no other interaction other than bumping into each other as they back out. happens every day throughout the day, um, but that kind of is what we're seeing, where people are, their fuse is shorter, and if they have a gun, they're, they're pulling it out and, and displaying it or threatening other people with it, in some cases shooting other people. Yeah. Well, you've been, I know you've been working with community leaders to try to convince people to put down their guns in, in settling their disputes, the kind you just talked about. Do you think education and individual persuasion will, will solve the problem? I think it's, a, I think it's part of the solution. Um, you know, as we look at what's happened over the last year and a half, you know, we have seen, I mean, across the board, some changes in behavior, driving behavior, for example, has really become problematic. Our traffic fatalities in the city now, we stand at uh, 26 or 27. A year ago, we were at 11. You know, we average mid to upper 20s in traffic fatalities, and we've already exceeded our average, and we're only in early July. And in the traffic crashes we're seeing is a lot of egregious driving behavior. Such as? Uh, well, I was speed. down on okay. speed. I was at one down on uh, down south by 235 off of Meridian, and an individual was going 100 some miles an hour on the street, and you know, uh, someone pulls in front of him, not realizing he was going over 100 miles an hour, and both the passengers were killed. 
And that kind of uh, just outrageous driving behavior has become more and more commonplace. One of the things that uh, I'm hearing early in the morning when I'm here preparing to do our, our radio show is I'm hearing just about nightly some sort of a police pursuit, high speed, over 100 miles per hour. Of course, there's not much traffic on that time of day. So usually uh, they resolve it, either they give up or they, they, they catch somebody. But it seems to me that's more common than I've ever seen it in all the years that I've been doing radio. Mm-hmm. Something seems to have changed. And when I talk with my colleagues across the country, uh, everyone's seeing the same things. Increase in fatality crashes, outrageous driving behavior, uh, angry conduct, use of firearms to resolve conflicts. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go back. And talk to firearms just a little bit more. Then, how, how, how about a massive public education program spelling out the penalties for illegal use of a firearm? Are those penalties strong enough? Do you think? Well, you know what? I it's pretty clear cut. You know, we had, for instance, we had a 17 year old involved with a homicide over the weekend. He pulled the trigger and and killed another individual. 17 year old is a prohibited possessor of that gun. And he will face a low-level penalty. Um, makes you wonder if he didn't have that gun, would the individual that was murdered, would he still be here today? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of this is societal issues we need to examine and determine, you know, um, is, this, is this working or not? Is this the new normal? And is this what we will come to expect in the days ahead? Uh, the issue for me is that everybody's always micro-focused on police. And, you know, we have over 120-some homicide suspects in the county jail. We have so many people in the county jail that they have to send people out to other counties. It's not that we're not apprehending criminals, right? And you and I have talked about this before. Uh, There's something bigger that needs to be addressed. And uh, until we want to face those facts, I think these problems that we're talking about today will continue on. Well, just talking for a little bit about uh, one aspect of that, and as a firearm stolen from cars, I know there's been a heck of a trend that way, right? Yeah, uh, we're down a little bit over years past, and I we have worked a lot on educating the public on the dangers of leaving your gun in your car. We've done a lot of public awareness, and we've seen a decrease, a double-digit decrease in the amount of guns stolen from cars, but it still is a problem. Uh, over 100 so far this year. Uh, and that's way too many. People get complacent, forget that they have them in their, wherever they store them in their car, and if they're going to store them in their car, they should be locked up in their car, not accessible to anybody that may be able to get in if you forget to lock your doors, because we do see a number of our crimes involve stolen firearms. Now, does a police officer uh, assume that every traffic stop and every domestic violence call carries a real possibility of confronting somebody with a gun? Yeah, sadly, you know, we deal with people with guns all day long. Our officers are pulling people over uh, that are carrying guns. They're going on calls that involve people carrying guns. And, you know, obviously the majority of the time we don't have issues, but it does complicate being a police officer right, when someone has a firearm on them. And over my 28-year career, I've seen this evolve from very few people carrying firearms to it's a lot of people now that are carrying guns. And it makes our jobs more difficult. Um, And obviously officers are always concerned about 
uh, you know, they want to go home at the end of their shift. And with the volume of guns and the gun calls that they go on, it has an impact on them. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit now about what you were talking about before, and that is uh, what do we do with these folks, all these people we've got in jail? Um, and some of them, and so many of them, as we've talked before, they've got problems, but their problems are mental problems. They've got issues with uh, maybe drugs and things like that to contribute to all this this uh, gun violence that's going on and all this violence. And how, what do we yeah. do about that? Well, I do believe that there are some people that are in jail and need to be there. Yeah. Uh, there's others that don't. If we could find more ways to uh, treat those that are suffering from mental illness, a greater and greater percentage of our calls involve people that, you know, if we could get them stabilized, they wouldn't be on our radar. We wouldn't be getting calls on them. The problem is, is there's just no funding for it. The least amount of funding, I think, ever in mental health funding to, that we're dealing with today. And as a result, uh, the police are the responders of last resort because there's no one else to go. And our, we're limited in how we can help someone in crisis. You know, we work with hospitals and, and try and get uh, people stabilized, but the amount of time it takes to do that is significant. And the amount of treatment available for those who don't have insurance is little to non-existent. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about uh, when your your police officers go on a call. I, I used to watch the uh, the show Cops pretty religiously, and I would say to my wife, "I don't know how these officers keep from just going off on these people. It takes a lot of self control." I would think for an officer to confront a situation and just stay above it and stay cool. That's that's either a skill or it's you've, you're born with it, I guess. But uh, to stay aloof on that situation and just calmly try to keep people calm—that's tough. Oh my! You should see the challenges that our officers are faced with, and uh, this is one reason why I uh, am so passionate about the role that police play in society. Our men and women out there do a phenomenal job of uh, de-escalating and keeping things calm. You know, de-escalation has become a, a buzzword in the police world. But our best cops, I mean, in the history of policing, our best cops have always de-escalated. Um, and we hire standard-issue human beings that are put in situations that are almost unimaginable and that will test the patience of a saint. And um, we need to recognize that and, you know, support them. Uh, obviously, when an officer screws up, they need to be held accountable. But for the most part, we we go on hundreds of thousands of calls a year that are volatile and involve guns and violence, and they're resolved with minimal or no use of force and resolved peacefully. And that's what's not in the narrative uh, when you watch modern-day uh, news. Right, right. We don't get that deep on it. We need to go a little deeper, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Issues uh, 2021 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. Uh you know, as America recovers from this pandemic, businesses are finding it difficult to hire qualified workers. What's the story at WPD on that? Well, I'm pleased to say we are uh, somewhat of an anomaly. 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 I don't know what. Thank you. <laughs> We're odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because we in Wichita are continuing to see 
great applicants, high numbers, and diverse candidates. You know, our class that just graduated uh, had the most women, majority women, the most women ever in a class in the department. We've hired more uh, women, Hispanics, African-Americans in the last two years than ever before. We have a class starting next month with 32 people, or I'm sorry, this month, actually in a week. Uh, I'm still in June. And they, uh, it's going to be, uh, again, very diverse. 75% have a four-year degree. Um, and I couldn't be more proud of our recruiting staff because they are lasered focused and intentionally trying to recruit people that reflect what our community looks like and people with the character and compassion that you would want to come to your house if you ever needed help. Hmm. We are getting great candidates and I am, I'm positive it's because of our great recruiting staff and our efforts to, uh, you know, the intentional efforts they're making to, uh, find the best people for our city. Yeah, it sounds like you are unique. There, I know they're having a real hard time finding people who want to go to work in the jail and, and different places like that. The uh, Tom Stoles at the county told me the other day on this program, they were down like two dozen positions for dispatchers. That's, it's, yeah. uh, it's amazing. But uh, it sounds like you, you're having pretty good luck, though. We had, in 2015, we had 400-some applicants. Um, the last few years, we've been around 1,000. Uh, so we continue to see those numbers go up. And again, good candidates wow. that are serving this community. And we have citizens on our hiring boards that help us pick the best and brightest as well. And I think that adds uh, a flavor that a lot of other cities don't include in hiring their police candidates. Let's talk about something you I think we brushed on just a minute ago, and that is the, the impact of national media coverage of officer-involved shootings uh, on the desire to become a law enforcement officer. It, it doesn't sound like it's holding you back, but uh, it might make some candidates stop and think about what it takes to be a police police officer. Yeah, it, there's no doubt that plays a role. As a matter of fact, um, you know, we had an officer shot a couple weeks ago. Fortunately, he is improving. He's still in ICU. Uh, and we are so thankful he's doing better each day. But there were two candidates that were in our process that pulled out. And... The uh, the dangers that our officers face is a concern for many, obviously. And then one of the reasons why I think we're doing okay here recruiting is because our community supports the police. They, you know, when our officer was shot, we had an outpouring of support. We still have people reaching out. That's important for our officers because they do have a tough job, and they could go into other work areas, uh, do other things, and make more money potentially. But they choose to stay in policing, I think, and a big part of that is because our community supports them. It's important we maintain that support and speak out and uh, make sure that we recognize that our men and women have a very difficult job, and we want to retain the best and brightest, and thus they need our support. That's really true in almost every profession. If somebody, if you feel like somebody cares that you, about what you're doing, that always helps to get up and go to work every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, how is uh, WPD addressing the challenge of, uh, we've talked about this before, but how are we addressing that challenge of uh, dealing with people who have the mental uh, and or drug issues? Are you, are you still standing out to certain, these, uh, these special teams of, of people to, to do those situations? Yeah, we, we're, we're one, it's a partnership because it can't just be on the police alone. Um, you know, uh, our sheriff put together a group with us in the hospitals a few years ago to help us better address uh, 
and find resources for chemical dependency and mental health treatment. And this group formed a coalition, the Mental Health Chemical Dependency Coalition, that has been working with the legislature and other elected officials to try and find funding to create more treatment options here. Um, that's one of the one of the issues that we need to address first is fund programs to help people that are in crisis. Uh, the second thing is we are continually to see what, what what are the police doing that we can get out of. We have a homeless outreach team where officers help homeless find housing and keep them stabilized. We partnered with our housing department and we got a Department of Justice grant last year to help reduce crime through hiring housing caseworkers. These housing caseworkers help our uh, those that we've had nuisance offenders that can't find housing that often suffer from chemical dependency and mental health, and they need someone to kind of just monitor and help them, take them, make sure they're taking their medication, make sure they're not creating problems in the neighbor with the neighbors, and can maintain their housing. And the, these caseworkers, that's a big part of what they are there to do. Uh, they reduce calls for service with the police department because they are ensuring people are taking their meds, um, behaving well, interacting with their neighbors well, and we're not getting the calls. So it's through some innovative programming and resources like that that we're going to lower calls and improve our neighborhoods and decrease homelessness. Yeah, we look at these situations, and like you said, all we hear is either defund the police or or we need more cops. Or, you know, there's no simple answer to these these uh, problems, is there? Well, the reality is, is as much as you as much as you and I would like to be able to leave our keys in our car and leave our cars running on cold days, or not have to worry about our kids being hurt by uh, by someone or a sex offender or anything like that, it doesn't exist. We'd all I'd love to put us out of work because there's no crime, but we're far from it, and we need. Uh, men and women that are dedicated to protecting our community and we need to fund them properly and ensure there's enough of them so that when you call 911, you're going to get and need, need someone there fast that you're going to get that and you're going to get the best and brightest in our profession. Wichita survived the aftermath of the George Murphy killing in Minnesota. What, what was the key to avoiding nasty riots during, during our public demonstrations here in Wichita? Well, I'm really proud of the way our people handle it. First of all, it wasn't easy. And there are cities that are a fraction of our size that had significant problems with, with uh, protests and vandalism and, and uh, police use of force. And we didn't have any of that there. And I know it is due to the way we chose to handle it. We uh, allowed people to express their First Amendment rights. Uh, we drew the line in uh, on property damage and anybody getting hurt. That was when we were going to step in. Um, and what we found also many times when someone was uh, creating a problem, rather than having an officer wade into the crowd and, you know, use of force would definitely have become uh, an issue. Other people would have got excited. The crowd would have got excited. We identified the people and then later charged them after the fact, rather than going in and, and escalating matters. We chose to stand back, identify them and hold them accountable at a later time. That worked phenomenally, and many other cities have taken note and uh, want to do the same thing if there's future issues. Were there any outsiders coming into town at that time, agitators coming in? Uh, Not so much here. No, we didn't. You know, I mean, from some of the neighboring cities, yeah, we had some, but not from any distance. Mm. 
So have people been calling you and saying, hey, what's your secret uh, from other police departments? Yeah, I'm active in a lot of chiefs associations uh, across the country, and the Major City Chiefs Group is the primary one, and we have had many discussions on what worked and what didn't, and compare notes so we can learn from each other. And so, yeah, these have come up, and uh, there are people that have taken note. All right. Hey, assess the impact of the, the pandemic on crime in Wichita. I think maybe what you were talking about earlier with the way people think and feel now, that might be one of the outgrowths of the pandemic. What do you think? Yeah, no doubt. It's, it, it seemed to really, our drive-by shootings went, after the lockdown went into effect, went up 110%. Little, little beefs that normally, because people were working or were in school, um, were diluted. What happened last year when people were out of work, there was no school, there was no activities going on, you know, yeah. the bars were closed, nothing was open. People seemed to kind of fixate on disputes. And they escalated oftentimes into violence, whereas before they didn't. And we've seen that trend somewhat continue mm. where, you know, these little small disputes have blown up. People's, as I said, people's fuses are shorter. Something has changed. And this isn't just a Wichita issue. This is across the country where we're seeing, you know, increases in people uh, just moving to violence versus, you know, civility and trying to work through a problem. Right. What, uh, how would you assess the local local media in covering the police and crime beat? I think they're very fair. Don't, don't, don't pull any punches just because I'm a media person, okay? <laughs> no, I'll be honest. I think, you know, we've got a good, we've developed a good relationship with our media. We want to get, uh, we try to get as much information out as possible. We want to, uh, I, I believe that our media want to highlight good stories. It's oftentimes up to us to feed them. Yep, yep. Because, uh. I know our officers, every minute of every day, they're out there doing good things for our citizens, helping people in ways that are, you know, sometimes very minor and other ways that, you know, they're life-altering ways that they're helping people. And those stories aren't getting out there. And I know our media say, if you give us the story, we'll cover it. Yeah. So, uh, you know what, and, and sometimes we do screw up. As hard as we try to get it right, we hire human beings, mistakes happen. And when we mess up, we fess up and try to be better in the future. Yeah, somebody famous once said uh, to a reporter, don't be afraid to be wrong now. And then it, sometimes it sells more papers that way. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. But anyway, I just want to, uh, you know, I think the average, they used to say the average uh, tenure of a police chief in this country was four to seven years, something like that. And Looks yeah, like four, four to five. It dropped last year. You're being, yeah, there you go. But I just like say this: uh, best of luck to you on on whatever happens with your with your professional life, because with those personal problems like that, uh, uh, just good luck to you in, in what how you care with your for your parents and things like that. Hope you hope you do well. We we wish you well. Whatever happens next, okay? Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thanks for spending some time with us. I know uh, you've always been generous with the time for this this little program that we do every week and. And, and we appreciate that. And, uh, again, best of luck to you in the future, no matter where we see you next. And maybe those Western bagpipes will do well in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's uh, uh, our guest, of course, this week is uh, Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. And uh, that's all for this edition of Issues 2020. Uh, 2021, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.